Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching. Thanks for the pep talk, Will. I needed that. A little bit of a bloody, you'll be right, mate. You'll pat on the head. Everything's fine. You'll be okay. I mean, it wasn't much of a pep talk. This was for, for listeners. We just, Charlie just had a uh, crisis of confidence off air about our live show that we were doing in Sydney. And uh, when he says, thanks for the pep talk, my pep talk consisted of me going, nah, we'll be right. <laughs> Yeah, that's like an Aussie male-like tradition. That's like as good as a hug. Like, I mean, I feel like that was a one-hour counselling session for an Aussie male. She'll be right. Yeah. That's as fucking- was like it, it was just a fully confident, no strings attached. It's like, hey, we'll be right. We'll be right. She'll be right. Uh, yeah, I feel like um, they, uh, they had a, a, a local show, like a – what do you call it? Like a – not a rural show, like a, a show, like a um, – like an Ecker type show in my town uh, this weekend. Like an agricultural, agricultural show? show? Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Um, and uh, speaking of like uh, Aussie male archetypes, uh, the last night they had the fireworks display, but before the fireworks they had, I guess you'd call them like, it was like entertainment, but like, um, you know, like a bit of horsemanship, <laughs> bit of motorbike shit. Like there was no real, it was just like blokes who live on a farm doing stuff so like you know one guy comes out and he's like he's like standing on two horses and riding around and then another dude comes out in a mini motorbike and, and jumps to a ring of fire and then a blue healer jumps on his back and then you know it's, it's that kind of stuff so do you think this was like an organized posse like a local crusty demons crusty demons of dirt this is like the northern rivers version of crusty demons oh, no, i reckon not northern rivers i reckon these guys are a touring oh, they're act. a touring they, posse whenever there is an agri- agricultural nah. show because most of yeah. the stalls at this mm. were were like from you know the the the, the brisbane Ecker or, or or whatever um, and they travel around. So, you know, these guys yeah. are, you want some entertainment. They do the show circuit. Yeah, exactly. They probably it's do like Royal Melbourne show. festival season in comedy, right? Yeah. yeah, they've got their diary full. Yeah. I'm going to go down the Northern Rivers, do the show there. You know what? Don't even have to do the full show down the Northern Rivers. Maybe I'll just stand on the back of two horses. That, that, that'll, they'll, be, they'll be happy with that. Yeah, they, they, the, the, the sort of running joke is one of them – was dressed up like an old man, like clearly a guy in his twenties, but he had like he, oh, yeah. he was dressed in grandpa clothes. Yeah. Had like bad grandpa stuff. Yeah, pillow. Like, no, what's it called? Yeah. Like uh, yeah, um, bad grandpa. Oh no, um, is it bad uh, grandpa? The grandpa? Johnny Knoxville one. What's what's the Johnny? That's the one yeah. I'm trying to think of. Anyway, bad grandpa might have been the Robert De Niro. Hey, let me look it up. Yeah, Johnny Knox- grandpa. Johnny Knoxville grandpa. Naughty grandpa. Grand, I don't know. There grand, was a lot of bad grandpa, stinky grandpa, grandpa, grumpy grandpa, Jackass grandpa. Uh, mm. Jackass presents bad grandpa. So what was oh, the yeah, De Niro one? Jackass presents. Yeah, <laughs> that mark part of the part of the Criterion Jackass collection presents range. <laughs> 
you've got the Blu-ray, right? Yeah. Of the, the Jackass. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got the Criterion. 8K uh, remastered. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny out of all the Jackass characters mm. or the bits that that was the one they're like. I guess they paid for the prosthetics. That's probably what it was. Mm. It's like we spent a fortune on this, these prosthetics. We've got to make our money back. <laughs> Let's do a separate film. Or maybe they just had enough offcuts from Jackass 4 or whatever it was that they could make an entire movie out of it. I mean, it may be that exactly what you're saying though, isn't it? It's the practicality of it's too expensive for us to spend all this money on the prosthetics if it is only for the small amount that they're going to yeah, be well, used like in segment. this like overall – Right, but if we can leverage an entire hour and a half out of this, this is like value for money, right? Yeah, totally. Like it's like buying an expensive pair of shoes. You're like, as long as I wear these shoes 500 times, these are a cheap <laughs> pair of shoes. Is that how you equate it? Like if you buy an expensive pair of clothes, you start taking note in your mind how many times you've worn it and then like that adds up. Look, I divide it by the days worn. It's only a $17 a day T-shirt. <laughs> I've worn it four I- times. It's the only way I think about clothes. Right. It is 100% how I think about everything. And I'm wearing a pair of shorts right now that might be the greatest investment I've ever made in my life. I calculated my money back on these shorts five years ago. And I, yeah, these are, because I only have one pair of shorts. One? And I just wear them. Yeah. That's insane. One. Well, you live in I Australia, mean, I have a mate. couple of others, but I only wear one pair. I actually think I do have some others, but these ones are so good. And they were expensive for shorts when I bought them. But now they're like, I'm just like, I actually fear. I've gone online and tried to Google if there's like some excess stock of this particular brand of short like sitting around somewhere because I would like another pair to replace these ones. So talk me through it. Like are they tactical? Like everything's tactical now. When you see anything advertised online, like you want pants, they're tactical pants. And, you know, you want a shirt, it's a tactical shirt. Are they tactical pants, extra pockets and zips and shit? I don't want an item of clothing that's put more preparation into the day than I have. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to be made to be feel bad. I need clothes that – match i think what i'm putting out into the world as opposed to like you know clothes that make me make me promises that the rest of my personality and body can't slow keep. creeping <laughs> creeping depression that's what my shorts say <laughs> yeah totally right yeah i mean the reason that i'm still wearing them like five years after their best buy date is more about my depression and personality <laughs> than it is about the quality of the shorts these shorts say i'm this close to topping myself <laughs> it's not long these shorts say i don't care i've given up yeah <laughs> this is a drawstring to tighten my shorts but also to hang myself don't worry about it (laughs) these shorts say i am more interested in my own comfort than i am in anything you might be viewing right now okay so they're not cargo-y then so they don't have like extra pockets or anything they're not um are they like a canvas four pockets though they do have four pockets so they've got like two at the front two at the back yeah but like good deep pockets at the front good deep pockets at the back can put my phone safely in the back pocket without like any worry that it would like might get like you know bounced out of there or anything like that. Oh my big concern with putting my phone in shorts is it pulls mm. my pants down. So they're yeah. strong enough to res- to hold the weight the the 17 grams of your phone. I mean look there's been a couple of times when I was carrying like two handfuls of groceries <laughs> from the car and had my phone in my back pocket where I could not in court say 100% of the time that I have been tied up well enough that I haven't fallen down in public but as a general rule if you fasten and again haven't had to replace 
the drawstring because it's drawstring around the waist, not buttons or zip. And I have not had to, this drawstring still going, still drawstrung. No, no. Uh, drawstrong, in fact, because it <laughs> is. drawstrung. Like, <laughs> hashtag. This is my spin off. Yeah. Because to this day, the most important like part of the pants, the shorts, is this drawstring. It holds the whole the whole, whole operation is reliant on the drawstring. When the drawstring goes, yeah, it's all over. The shorts go. I'm not going to suddenly become one of those guys who gets like an old bit of rope and oh, just threads it through me. to keep my shorts. I do that. I've done that several times. In fact, mm. I had a hoodie once where I accidentally pulled the the, the hood um, rope through too mm. far and I was like, oh, it's easy to do. I'll just get a big safety pin. I'll feed it through. And this thing, I don't know how this fucking hoodie was designed, but I fed it halfway around the back of the hood, got to the the, the stitching, and it's like I just I reached an impasse. And I'm like, oh, so I'm trying to find mm. the hole to get through, and no mm. matter what angle I put it at, I could not get it through. And it wasn't even the size of the pin or anything because I tried different size pins. I got other people to have a go. I don't know what the design flaw was, but I could not feed this thing around, and it it made me so angry. I've never bought. It's a very wide you know clothing chain but i'm so pissed off by that one design for them i swore that i, I swore a, a blood oath <laughs> that i would never buy clothes from that brand again can i ask you a question Unico, about your you. process of a- <laughs> can i ask you a question about your elimination of doubt when it came to whether there was a way to get the drawstring through or not so you've done it yourself first like, have you just tried to thread it through by hand first? Yeah. Yep. Oh, so oh, no, we straight thought, to the can... safety pin. Efficiency. Not, okay. I'm not going to try and do it on my All own. Because right. it was just one of those. It was one of those shoelace ones, so it had like the mm. taped end. It wasn't like a big knot, mm. so it's a bit hard to get purchase on and feel through the material. So I just went and bought like the you know the range of safety pins of the different sizes, and I went with the biggest one first because I'm like again efficiency. Too big, kept button up against the stitching. All right, increasingly smaller and smaller pins. But it just when I got to that thick stitching at the back of the hood, could not find, couldn't find the whole wheel. <laughs> the flashbacks <laughs> have been sixteen again. Where is it? I know it's around here somewhere. Well, okay. Did you try it from both sides? Oh, is my question. Shit. Did you like? Is there any chance that you could only go through one way? I mean, why would it be I mean, a that, one-way gate? That's bad design anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm not suggesting that it like should be like a you know, a pet door or whatever where you can only <laughs> access it from once, like, um, or it shuts behind. But I'm just thinking because of the design, maybe it closed over one way, whereas you could have pushed it through. You were pushing against the stitching one way versus pushing, pushing with it to be able How to get it through from the other that, side. How do that, though? How do you make one way, a one-way stitching hole? Like it, I mean, by accident. I, I'm saying the, the cheapness of the process oh, has right, like right, created right. an effect by which it, like you can I thread it through one way, but you can't. Yeah, I get you. I don't think they've done it like as a locking mechanism. No, I get what you mean. Like, like by, by moving the thread out, maybe I've pulled out excess material, mm-hmm. which has clogged up yep. the hole. And if I'd gone uh-huh. around the other way, you know what? If you'd pushed from the other side, you might have been able to like break on through, use it, going with the – 
the natural motion of it rather than against it. Well, this is good because I might, if I owe Unico an apology, because I've been desperate mm. to go back to their stores, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. They do tailoring on the spot and it's amazing. Like you buy a pair of pants there and within like an hour you can come back and they've tailored them. So, like, this is good. I mean, this I is can, how quickly you <laughs> will become a spokesperson for Unico. Unico. I mean, I don't think you're going to believe it, guys. They do affordable tailoring <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> I know. We're talking about a 180. I'm, look, well, I'm doing it. You know what I'm doing? That's me squashing the beef. <laughs> I mean, Unico had no idea there was even a beef to begin there with. There was a beef. But it's squashed. Um, I wanted to bring something to your attention, uh, uh, Will. It uh, would have been a couple of weeks ago by the time people hear this. Um, but a certain Dwayne Johnson made an appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, uh, this week. And, I mean, I was like, oh, okay, look, say what you want about Joe Rogan's podcast. At least it's a three-hour podcast where by the end of it, I think you get a pretty good idea of the person you're talking to, good or bad. Like they tend to show their cards in, in, in almost three hours. And after listening to it for three hours, I have to say this. Either Dwayne Johnson is one of the dullest people on earth, and I say this with a heavy heart, or he's just the most risk-adverse celebrity on the planet and did not show his hand at all, played his hand so close to his chest because it was an hour, first hour and a half, maybe first hour, was talk about work out, working out, which, you know, it's Joe Rogan talking to Dwayne Johnson. You can probably understand that. You know how much I love a wrestling documentary. All I wanted was let's just get at least an hour of The Rock talking about how he got started, you know, some of his opponents, how crazy Vince McMahon is. There's hardly any of that. There was a little bit of talk about the Middle East, which surprised me a lot, like 25 minutes. But, you know, no, they didn't reach any conclusions about- They didn't resolve the issues in the Middle East? Well, if Joe Rogan and Dwayne Johnson can't sort it out, who's going to be able to sort it out? But then the last hour was about MMA, and I have no interest in that. So I kind of was like skipping through a lot of it. But you would have thought it was the rock interviewing Joe Rogan from the amount of talking that he did. Mm. Like he- virtually said nothing, did a lot of agreeing. I almost put together a compilation of him going, "Uh uh-huh, that's right, that's right, uh uh-huh, like to whatever Joe was saying. But there was one snippet that I want to to play for you. Okay, so do I say, do I have to like trigger warning anyone? We're going to hear some Joe Rogan. It's about a minute and a half, this clip. Talked about you being president. I know. I remember at one point in time it was like they were saying it should be The Rock and Oprah. (laughs) They should be president and vice president. Dude, so one of the parties came to visit me. Oh no! At the end of last year, <laughs> asking for, for me to run. Oh Jesus Christ! Pers- I mean, it was inc- for president. For president. Wow! It was inc- first of all incredibly fucking surreal, right? Because I was the guy, you know, who was wrestling in flea markets right. years ago, <laughs> looking for free corn dogs and hot dogs and shit. Um, selling my headshots for five bucks, trying to make money, and then all of a sudden I'm having that conversation. But no, it was just incredibly surreal and so wild. But also so incredible that they had all this data that would that they had said, if this happens, here's the result. And, oh wow! It was really fucking deep. And then I started to think again, surreal because that's never been my goal, <laughs> right? I I appreciate it, and I'm fucking honored, right? Because right. I'm. I'm like you in here, in our core, right? But um, it made me think it, it's, it's either this is, this is an incredible thing and I got some pretty decent leadership skills 
or things are so fucked up. (laughs) 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 Some pretty interesting stuff to come out of that. I mean, first of all, which party was it? Could only be the de- Democrats, right? The Republicans. What? No, I would say it was definitely the Republicans. They would have been looking for somebody to run against Trump, oh, like as in etern- internally, because they're so terrified that like Trump's the only person that like. I mean, Trump. Look, it looks like Trump's going to win the Republican nomination, and there is a whole big part of the re- old Republican Party that does not want like Donald Trump to be in charge of the Republican Party. You don't think it would be the the Democrat because he didn't say when the approach was made. And I'm just one. He did say recently. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like because his his statements, his public statements, recently have been much more left leaning than right leaning. But I, yeah, I agree with all that. But I'm just saying, I think that I think it would have been the Republicans. Like, I mean, fuck, it could have been the Democrats. I don't know. It could have been the bloody Greens party. It could have been Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Bernie just walks in, gives him the pitch. I don't know. Like, maybe somebody just came up to him and said, the hierarchy of power in the Washington, D.C. universe is about to change. Well, that would get his attention, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's interesting, though, like the fact that they brought him all this data and said, look, if you nominate this, we've, you know, we've wargamed it or we've simulated it and this is how it goes. This is where the votes go. This is your popularity in each state. It's probably a swing state thing because that's really what happens in America, isn't it? I don't claim to know exactly how it works, but the electoral colleges and you've got those, those swing states. So that's probably what you'd be focusing on, right? Like those battleground states yeah. where you need a guaranteed victory. Let's get the most famous popular movie star on the planet. Well, they need a brand. Everybody's worried about Trump, right? Like that's the truth. And so regardless of what party it is, the idea of going to The Rock would be like a Trump thing. You need a bigger celebrity to beat the celebrity. And what is a trusted brand or a trusted celebrity that can appeal to some of the people that like Trump appeals to, but is like a more sensible version and like, I mean, it's amazing we live in a world where the more sensible version is former WWE wrestler, The Rock. But- I mean, if he had, like, idiocracy is coming true, right? Yeah. You know, because that's exactly what the president was in idiocracy. He was a former porn star professional wrestler become president. But it, it becomes, Camacho. I mean, this becomes either like you go more and more and more, like it takes a celebrity to beat a celebrity and then you need another celebrity and then it becomes The Rock and Oprah and those sort of things. Or at some stage there's a swing back against the blockbuster, you know? People don't want to go and see Marvel films anymore and uh, like maybe the era of like they go back to wanting something that is different to that. But, yeah, like I mean – I can see that idea that that celebrity is all pervasive and all powerful and it just seems that Trump in particular can do whatever the fuck he likes to do whenever the fuck he wants to do it and suffer absolutely no personal consequences for any of his actions. And, like, I think people are like, how do you beat yeah. that? Like, what, what can we do? Is it the right? I guess it does make sense when you, when you explain it like that because you've got a guy yeah. who has this cult-like following, they follow him through thick and thin, he can't do anything to lose that base. And so you then have to go to someone you've, you've got to identify out there. I guess that's why the Oprah suggestions made who like, I guess Gwyneth Paltrow, she's got a pretty hardcore glued on 
supporter base. Yeah. Russell Brand seems to have that kind of cultist sort of impact. Jared Leto. I mean, do you reckon that they started mm. at The Rock and then they all got all the way down to Leto? <laughs> I mean, it would be amazing if they announced that they were going to run Jared Leto as their alternative. <laughs> but they refused to play 30 Seconds to Mars on the campaign trial. <laughs> the other members of 30 Seconds to Mars denied them the rights to use that music for the campaign. But you knew that Jared was serious about it because he got a tattoo across his chest that said to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's I would from that Joe Rogan episode. I think mm. that it, to say he did go up against Trump, I reckon he'd get destroyed. He was not. I I guess the promos, the wrestling promos, and this is what I'm sort of mm. I've been wrestling with since I listened to it. Was like, is he really? Because this happens sometimes where there's like a celebrity that you love, or an actor or performer, and then you mm. you, you you peek under the hood and you're like, oh, geez, I don't actually. I like what they do, but. They themselves, like we've talked about De Niro before when I went to that talk that De Niro did, he was so uninteresting and awkward and like just not dynamic in any way. And I'm just was like, I just kept waiting for The Rock to appear in the show, but he was just this kind of very, you know, very polite, uh, you know, occasionally interesting, but extremely media controlled performer. And I just don't know if that's the real him or if he's just gotten so used to making safe choices in his movies and safe choices with his television shows and safe choices with his marketing tie-ins, it is like, I will not say anything on this show that's going to possibly come back and, and like, hurt me or my brand. I mean, I think the fact that he was even saying fuck oh, felt Oh, that was the me. one thing that made you go, oh, like he swore a lot. Um, but there was no insight into him or his psychology, everything, even the the few anecdotes he did share was all stuff that you would probably have heard anyway, you know, or you'd know about his, like his dad or that he's, you know, used to play, he wanted to play football before he got into wrestling. And, but there was just, everything else was just so banal and, and uninteresting. I was like, oh no, I wish I had never listened to this. Well, I didn't listen to it, so I, I feel yeah. fine. <laughs> I'm still on board because I didn't listen. Well, it's just weird though. I guess I, because I think it's the wrestling side of it because wrestling, you know, to cut a promo, it is essentially like live performance. It's, you know, kind of like not dissimilar to what you do. Yes. He gets up in front of and he may have learned a script, but he's also got to be flexible enough to change on the fly and, you know, and work the crowd and, you know, listen to what they're giving him and, and responding. So I just figured there'd be more of that. But I think he's just in a position now where he's a billionaire, he's got all these irons in the fire, and he just doesn't want to jeopardize any aspect of that. I just want to keep making Disney, you know, existing Disney properties and plug in my energy drink and doing inspirational posts on Instagram. That's that's my that's my bread and butter. That's me, the, that's the rock talking, well, not me, Charlie Claus. I, I don't yeah, have an energy I mean, drink yet. When you say it out loud like that, it does seem like the sensible choice. Yeah. Like, well, why do the show? <laughs> like, though? why do it? Well, I guess it's the biggest why podcast do- in the world. Because he is on a bit of a mission to rebuild, right? Like, I feel like in his world, there's a sense of that for a while, everything that he touched 
like was just like he had this sort of magic aura about him and he just he had this inevitable forward momentum and he was just getting bigger and bigger and this is what the president thing is indicative of right like we got to believe there was that point where we were like there is nothing you know what maybe the rock could be the president he can anything else he set his mind <laughs> to he's been able to do so he could probably be the president as well and and you know what maybe he can actually completely rearrange the hierarchy of power in the DC universe. Like, I, I, there was a bit of me that was yeah, like, can do it. well, if anyone can, mm. if that hierarchy of power is going to be changed in any fashion, I believe that it might be Dwayne Johnson who can do it. And then when he couldn't, and then there's been just a couple of little, not like disasters, just wobbles, yeah. right? Just a little bit of Chicken the shine yeah, has right. gone off the idea. Just a little, yeah. Yeah. And so I think he's in on a bit of a mission to rebuild. And he had like a couple of just, you know, things online that not suddenly not everybody was behind what he was doing or saying. And I think he's on a bit of a, a PR mission at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, well, okay. That makes sense to me. Well, that makes more sense than, than he was just like, well, I don't know if it makes more sense, but it makes me feel better than he's just the world's dullest person because I don't want to live in a world where The Rock is actually really uninteresting. I just, like you would, the first hour, like I think your brain would collapse in on itself because it's all just workout, workout routines, workout philosophies, importance of a workout, do you eat before you work out? Like even I, who likes to work out, was like, fuck, this is a lot of talk about working out now. I mean, give me the gist. What were the highlights? Was okay, there anything so, about working out that you- So, uh, so Rogan lives in Texas now. He's moved down to Texas when he got that big payday. And um, so he just flies in his his friends and he owns a comedy club down there as well. So he had a bunch of comics down there, friends of his um, and The Rock, and they they went and did a three-hour workout, no cameras, you know, just just the, the Joe and his mates and The Rock, they did a three-hour workout. And then once the workout was done, they went and jumped on the mics. And so they were they were buzzing a bit from from their workout. Um, and so the first like 20 minutes was like the rock talking about just like going going after it. There's a lot of talk like you just gotta go after it, you know, you gotta be a savage yeah. and go after it. And yeah. like all the mates of Joe's are like your normal <laughs> schlubby kind of, they're not like fit dudes, they're just like normal comedians. And but they uh, wanted to work out with a rock. I'm assuming that was the attraction. Yeah. Hey, do you want to work out with a rock? I mean, for five minutes, <laughs> I'd want to work out with a rock, not three yeah. hours. And so then the rock was like congratulating Joe for getting his mates into fitness yeah. and how important fitness is. And and then there was just why why is fitness important? I mean, like a a basic level of fitness is important, of course. Like you know, walking your ten thousand steps or what? Yeah, you know, keeping moving. But like. Was there any sort of broad philosophy behind anything more than just like getting moving or no. like why this super level of fitness? Uh, look, they weren't talking super level of fitness. They were just talking, yeah, exactly. Keep your body moving, don't atrophy, all that kind of stuff. But then there was a more philosophical uh, approach, which is this is my meditative space. This is where I plan my day. I, I get up first thing in the morning. Apparently it's a jet lag cure. They talked about um, when they do long – Hall flights, they fast on the flight, and then the first thing they do when they land is they find a gym and they work out, and apparently that's a good cure for jet lag. I mean, 
I mean, well, like, actually, having you know, in Joe's defence, that was the Rock yeah. saying that, and Joe's like, "Fuck that!" If I'm on a long flight, I'm eating five times, and so yes, eating and getting blind drunk, yeah. and certainly not getting up early to go to the fucking gym afterwards. So that was the the, the gist of it, and then that is like a that's privilege. That's what that is from the Rock, because like most people, when they when they bought an airline ticket, they get need to get their values worth of like free drinks and food and stuff while they're in the air. But The Rock, he doesn't need to do that. No. He's lost touch. Yeah, well, that was the other the other side of it was The Rock was saying um, what he enjoyed was the camaraderie of having the boys together. Like, you know, when he was on the road with the wrestlers, that's what you'd do. You know, you'd check into your accommodation, you'd hit the gym and you just hang out with the boys. And he said, I can't do that anymore. I was like, oh, that's a bit of a, you know, the the boy in the ivory tower syndrome, isn't it? Like he's got to a level of success where I imagine he can't just walk into a, a public place without getting mobbed. So he has to work out in the iron paradise, which he does on his own. All of a sudden, those inspirational posts on Instagram just have a whole new meaning. Like just play the sad Hulk it's music. It's like lonely, yeah, the, lonely, the boy in right? the ivory it tower cries for just help. wants to hang out with the boys. Just wants to connect with people. <laughs> yeah. Just wants to have some friends, but he can't have friends because he's trapped inside a prison of his own making. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't a lot of talk about mm. diet or anything like that. I thought there'd be more talk about what you eat or Joe going on about, you know, eating, being a meat eater or something. There wasn't much talk about that. Then there's yeah, about 20 minutes in the Middle East and then what's after <laughs> that? It was so dull. What was the – I mean, what did, what did they do – about the Middle East. What did Joe Rogan and The Rock talk to each other about the Middle East? Like, did The Rock have some opinions on what was happening in the Middle East? Does he ever take one way or the other? What's Joe's take on the whole scenario? Why did it even come up? I can't even remember why it came up. I think it was it was probably talking about online discourse. I think that's where it came from. Is like people just want to pick fights, you know, and and there's and there's and there's real. Um, Part of, it's all part, part, partisan hackery now where, you know, you've got either left or right and, you know, these are complex issues and look at the Middle East, for instance, you know, like what Hamas did was horrible but, you know, Israel's response seems to be like uh, 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 over, uh, um, what's the word? It's um, disproportionate. So it was like there was no insight. It was just kind of what anyone would glean from, from, from following it. Um, and then there was a little bit of kind of rah-rah, because the rocks comes from a military family. He's got two cousins who are, uh, who are like Marines, and then Joe went on about like, oh, they get good into. I look, I honestly, it was a bit of a slog. I was listening to it for the show because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get some great bits that I can pull. But apart from that one president bit, that was the one bit of insight where the rock let you in to his world. Everything else was, oh, what was the other thing he said? He's uh, well, his father was quite hard on him. His father grew up, you know, uh, they used to – he was boxing and wrestling from like a, the age of five. His father was one of Muhammad Ali's sparring partners and so there's photos of him. They brought up a photo of like a five-year-old Dwayne with, with Muhammad Ali. And then the last hour was just MMA talk. And it was like The Rock was the fan. He was sitting there asking Joe – what do you think of this fighter? What do you think of this fighter? Is he good? Is that a good fight? What about this guy? Is this guy? And I was like, I have no idea who they're talking about. And now you've completely, you've completely lost me. But I did listen to the whole thing. I honestly, what you've described to me, I, I like The Rock. 
But what you've described to me sounds like the worst three hours I've ever yeah. heard of in my entire life. Yeah. Like it was. Like I'm and I'm not an anti like Joe Rogan podcast guy either. When he when the right guest is on, it can I be have, really entertaining. I haven't I've never heard an episode of it. I have no opinion other than like the few times that something he said has made the press, you know, where you're like, well, this is dumb, but like maybe this isn't indicative of everything that he does. Like this this thing is definitely dumb, but I don't know the rest. Never heard it. Like can't have an opinion on it. Don't want to have an opinion on it. Never heard it. But what you just described to <laughs> oh, me boy. sounded like the worst thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. If people described TOEFOP to other people, it would probably also <laughs> sound like the worst thing of all time. So, you know, grain of salt, you know, people in glass houses, all of those sort of things. You wouldn't believe it. They talked about this boring Joe Rogan podcast with The Rock, <laughs> their entire podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, quite meta. And when you put it like that, 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 I should, I should, I should not be so quick to criticize. I think I was just expecting because I listen to like other wrestling podcasts, for instance, or even like you know, if you go on YouTube, there's like wrestlers, old wrestlers love telling wrestling stories, and I love listening to them because they're always fucking crazy. and there's, I'm sure there must be millions of stories that he has from the Attitude Era, which is like potentially the greatest era yeah. in professional wrestling. I think he's still in the – he's not an old guy looking back on his wrestling career as the greatest days of his yeah, life you're right. like a lot of those yeah, wrestlers are. Yeah, that's a good right? point. <laughs> like the other guys, it's, it is. <laughs> but for him, it's yeah. like that was the start of his career. Yeah. And some of that, it, like the, their fun stories, are the sort of stories that would ruin the nice life that he's built for himself. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. Actually, even the kind of, even the sort of slightly edgier anecdotes he told was still quite safe. Like talking because you know Joe's a big car guy as well. So they were, that was the other fucking boring forty-five minutes talking about different muscle cars. Fuck, it was really like hard for me to listen Sounds honestly like the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And then The Rock told one story about he bought his first car when he was 15. Like it wasn't licensed or anything, but there was some, he was hanging out at a bar when he shouldn't have been at a bar. Some crackhead was like, I'm trying to sell my car. I'll take, you know, 80 bucks for it. The Rock gave him 50 and they got in the car and they were, he and his mate were driving, going, this is amazing, we got a car, we, you know, we don't have a license. And they heard a noise in the back and there was another, like, drunk in the back seat that they hadn't realised and so they just pulled over and walked off. And I was like, oh, that was a, a good story. But I feel like he were, he cleaned it up a lot. Like, why were you at the bar, Rock, when you were 15? That seems very young to be at a bar. What else was going on at the bar, you know? Like, how did you what meet you this talking, crackhead? Well, why were you this crackhead? Just came exactly. up to you out of the blue, like, did he? Like you weren't trying to yeah, buy you crack? you talked him down from, from like 80 bucks to 50 bucks apparently in this story because you're an astute negotiator. And then you've left out the bit where you and your mate killed that hobo. <laughs> what about that? It was disappointing. It was disappointing to say wow. the least, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, that's our regular segment podcast recommendations. Well, I just don't know if we can keep talking about The Rock now. Because it's just like oh oh sorry I didn't realize this was what you were building well, towards. We have worshipped him like on this we show. as a podcast need to move on I from think the rock. So. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, man. I think this is the bit I've squashed the Unico beef. I might now yeah. need to just sort okay. of sunset the rock. I don't. I never thought I'd say that, but it was so dull that I feel like I don't have any 
There's no mystique yeah. left. Even that story, the president's story, was kind of oh, yeah. dull. And this is bad. This is bad. This is honestly bad news for the Rock. That like this is the sign of his wobble, right? right? If two like hardcore if lost fans us, like us, yeah. Like we've produced a fair amount of rock-related content over the years. In fact, I wouldn't say consistently. Like, I mean, the fact that he's been asked to be president was an idea that was first established on this show a decade ago. Like, we have been ahead of the game when it becomes to rock momentum. Like, we've been there since the wrestling. We recognise it. We believed in him. We've been there for the journey. And now you're saying that maybe we should find some space within our show for somebody else, somebody so. new. I think so. I think there needs to be room because this is, this it's also that one of those things of don't meet your heroes. Like we built him yeah. up. And he, you know, he's, he's partly to blame in this. <laughs> he built himself is up. He? Yeah. Well, he I mean, he created this persona, this larger-than-life persona, yeah. and invited us all but, to come. Uh, literal. Yeah, but literally a persona. Yeah, it's a good like, point. Like couldn't have been more clear about the fact that it was persona. <laughs> like we're not talking about somebody who's come in and presented themselves as a real person from the get-go. That, we are yeah. talking about somebody who has led persona first, like literally had a alter ego personification of them that we've confused with being intrinsically who they are we've convinced that we've met their character first and then we've let that character infuse it's as if we'd met Borat before you met Sasha Baron Cohen and then like you know judged it the other way around right like so did the rock like make a rod for his own well no not really like I mean he was just playing a character yeah playing a character but I think it was I mean, I'm I, I'm even parking the wrestling persona aside. Like, I'm, I'm talking mm. like movie star rock. Like, yeah. he just he created this sort of aura around himself with the success that he had and the kind of movies he was making. And like, you know, there's also the novelty factor of this. It's like the Arnie thing. This enormous guy playing a leading man when he does not look normal in any regard at all. Um, that. Attracted our attention because of the freak show nature of it, but then he just seemed so lovely and personable, and he wished you a happy birthday one year or something, didn't he? Online, or you don't even know that was him. You have doubts. I mean, could well be his social media team. Regardless, we were bought in on the rock. So, okay, well, let's put a pin in the rock for a second, like, and just say maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance that you know it doesn't have to be a failure of a relationship. Like the fact that, you know, we're not going to be wedded to the rock in the way that we once were. We can still look back fondly on the glory days and, you know, like still keep an eye on what the rock's up to, but, you know, not continue the obsession. Let's say that is the case. That's something that we'll just have to watch. Yeah, keep a watch on and see if that plays out. But at the moment, maybe the flames don't burn as brightly as they used to. Then let me ask you this. Indiana Jones style, if we have to replace the hole in our show with something of equivalent, like, weight, who who is the rock now? Like, I mean, what, you know, who is who the is equivalent? Who is the beloved of- personality that, I don't think there is one, is there? Is there, or do we bring an old one back? Do we, like, do we blow the dust off of Tom Cruise? <laughs> Now that he's like throwing himself <laughs> off buildings and shit and go, yeah, well, he's back. Because he, the, the, the public opinion did turn on Tom Cruise. Like as soon as he started 
endangering his life with every film, he was embraced yeah. again. But I don't know. Well, I feel like it's a bit past may, is, this, is that what The Rock has to do? Maybe I'm looking at this in the wrong direction. Does The Rock have to Tom Cruise it and say for like his next film or whatever to get people more? He's like, I literally did this stunt. Like, like I literally threw – like in the next Fast and the Furious, I actually catch a I think car it's the- and I throw it across the room. <laughs> I think it's the opposite because that is his bread and butter. The thing that makes the Tom uh-huh. Cruise thing so intriguing is he's just a, an actor who's become a stuntman. The Rock essentially was a stuntman who's become an actor. So mm-hmm. I okay, think it's point, more yeah. that he's got to go – like if he became like, I don't know, like a – like an avant-garde, some kind of like an, a Lady mm. Gaga. It doesn't have to be like uh-huh. art, like ex, like yeah. experimental, but mainstream. But uh-huh. just like he just starts doing crazy public performance and turning up to awards shows in meat dresses and and shit like yeah. that. Like he gets weird. Like how about I love this? It. You t- you take yes. so that Nick Cage kind of energy, uh-huh. where it's like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why is he buying dinosaur skulls and dressing like his Elvis yep. and all that kind of shit? Um, but just res- and even in movie choices, how about okay? Here's what we do: we're the yeah. Rock's PR team. We say, Rock, the, mm. the, there's a stank on your career. Like since yeah. and everyone's heard the Joe Rogan experience. Tofop went off on it. That started a firestorm. Everyone's turning against you. We're going to have to part you, partner you with some experimental directors. Mm. We've got David Lynch on the phone. We've got wow. Paul Thomas Anderson. They're all interested in working with you. But they say you've got to leave the movie star shtick aside. You know, no entourage, no trailers. You've got to come and you've got to work. Now, I reckon if I know The Rock, and I think I do, I've listened to three and a half hours of him <laughs> fucking talking bullshit, but he likes challenge. He likes to be challenged, you know? And so I think that's what he's got to do is he does an off-Broadway play, six weeks off-Broadway, some play where, you know, he plays like some like controversial character, a pornographer or something like that, something that just goes completely counter. They remake The People versus Larry Flint with The Rock. Yeah, as Larry Flint. (laughs) He's in a wheelchair. He's playing a pornographer. He's been yeah. gross. It's like it, it, it's got career rebirth written all over it. The People versus The Rock. I love it. I love everything that you're saying here. Um, could we go even a step further? Could The Rock Daniel Day-Lewis it? Like should he go full? Like I mean maybe even like I wasn't really saying that he should go and be a cobbler for a couple of years, but like could there be the equivalent of that for The Rock, like where suddenly he just – because it's not like he needs any more money. It's not like he could be a more famous person. The only thing that could actually make him – like even if he started doing those quirky projects, the people versus Larry Flint reboot, David like Lynch. working with indie directors, all that yeah. sort of stuff, that is something I think that he could do post just disappearing for a oh, minute. Oh, fuck this. Like, disappearing, I think just, that's right? good. Disappearing. Yeah. Like suddenly just, you know, the, the guy who was talking to you from his workouts, who was responding to people's birthdays, who was everywhere, just – With no explanation. Nowhere. No explanation, nothing. No suggestion that anything untowards happened. No. It's not, not no, a no. miscavige situation. It's just no, no, like no. – yeah, yeah. It's just the business is, is running itself, yeah. Seven Bucks Productions. will yeah. still make films. The energy drink's still mm. out. The TV show's all still yeah, going. Yeah. Just The Rock is taking a little personal leave. I mean, that would build yeah. mystique. 
I'm, I'm already intrigued. Where's he going? Where, where's yeah, he coming back? We're already back. I mean, you, I mean, you got off him like five minutes ago. <laughs> but you're... I'm un- you see what I'm doing, Will? I'm unsquashing the beef. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, if The Rock just, if you're one of the most famous people, like no more powerful time, statement, there's nothing you can do to be more famous than what you are, right? Like you've been asked to run for president. And if you're not going to run for president, there's nothing literally that you can do to be more more famous than who you are. The only thing that would make you more famous is if you just Rick Moranis it and fuck off. Like no explanation. Like you said, everything business as usual, no scandal, just radio silence from the rock. Amazing. I think that's a brilliant PR move. Like surely – like the, the the rock industries could roll on for at least two years mm. without him. Maybe the the movies would have to shut down production or, or whatever, anything, any vehicles. Mm. But everything else, the N- XFL, I mean, he fucking does everything. Like, no more powerful a statement of your intentions of rebirth to just step away right now when you are at the peak. And so how does he come? Do you say it does not matter then how he comes back? Or does he have well, to come back? Well, then he has time to decide. Like, he can do anything once he comes back. And, and he, he comes back and he's just like right? a normal body. Yeah. Like, he's still 6'3". Yeah. Oh, yes. But he's just, oh, Charlie, <laughs> this is it. He, like, goes away long enough to just resume having a normal body. A normal body. Yeah. Because he decides he's reached the peak of, you know, what you can become and he doesn't want to become one of those cartoonish old people. He actually just wants to – like he wants to do different things with his career, with his acting, with his performance, with whatever, and he doesn't want to be this cartoonish-looking super person anymore. He just wants to have like a normal, like man's body. So he goes away, yeah. throws the and H, flushes becomes, the HGH, yes, gets rid of the of the cheap meals, and he just like slims down and just looks like a normal yeah. Samoan American. Yeah, like just I think that's brilliant. Oh, although fuck, I mean, he's going to lose a huge portion at that audience but imagine the interest from the rest of the world <laughs> like because he can act we know he can act he's talented imagine that he comes back and he does like i don't know a vin vendors movie yeah <laughs> you know like yes. darren aronofsky or something like that Lars von trier <laughs> casts him in some dogma manifesto film where he's wearing his own clothes and he plays a guy who just you know some dark character a pornographer, you know, who's addicted to crack. It always comes back to a pornographer. <laughs> That's the first, thing the my first mind. person you ever think of is like, why won't The Rock play a pornographer? In fact, that's what the movie's called, The Pornographer. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson is The Pornographer. <laughs> the Pornographer. <laughs> and it's shot in black and white and there's yeah. no dialogue for the first half hour of the film. Mm. It's just you following this guy around. Hardcore fucking. And it's a, just hardcore. <laughs> yeah, 11, the, opening, the opening scene is an 11-minute unbroken scene <laughs> of two people having yeah. awkward, ugly sex. And him One and, camera a, shot. and the camera just pans to the left and it's the rock <laughs> sitting in a, in a folding director's chair just watching them intently. Oh, yeah. Occasionally watching. does this with his hands to show that he's a director. <laughs> <laughs> with the soundtrack, with the <laughs> with the soundtrack by Ramstein. Uh, oh, Ra- 
time. Okay. Just hardcore industrial metal playing the whole time. I'm like, you've got to make it the most unappealing experience for anyone because it's got to be the opposite of his career to this point. So art house, mm. ugly to look at, difficult to listen to, and difficult <laughs> subject matter. <laughs> that's the rocks. That's how the rock stays relevant. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <laughs> that's the only yeah. way. Um, all right, let's get to the mailbag. And then this will be a bit of a shorter episode because I can hear uh, people stomping around my house, which suggests yes. I need to drive someone to the airport very soon. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's like a, a, a passive aggressive uh, statement, but there is definitely stomping around. And I feel like it's heavier. Yeah, than you're just going to take it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just like a, it might not have that into it, but <laughs> it just uh, kind of feels like it. Yeah. Uh, this came in from Scott uh, talking about the Ninja Turtles. We spoke about them oh, a couple yeah. of weeks back. The Teenage Mutant. Ninja Turtles? No, 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 no. The Teenage uh, no. Mutant Scientologist oh. Turtles. Hey. Okay. Hey. Call back to our live show. Anyway, uh, we we discussed like why were they so unique? How did this idea work? Uh, yep. Scott says they seem to be the first of their genre and some popular versions that followed were the Street Sharks, which is – and there's a TV, very famous TV ad that was done by Vin Diesel, the Biker Mice, Biker Mice from Mars – the Samurai Pizza Cats and the Battletoads. I seem to vaguely okay. remember the Biker Mice mm -hmm. from Mars. I would love to know, did the Biker Mice from Mars cook meth? <laughs> like, like, how do we know they were bikers? Like, are they just their one percenters? A few of them just got out of the, just got out of the boob. You can tell they've got a teardrop I mean, tattooed on their face. they might have been like, you know, one of those friendly biker clubs, though. Like, like in the same the way as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles weren't like, yeah. Yeah. Weekend weren't Warriors. like assassins. Okay. You know. There were also some shitty knockoffs. There was the Cold-Blooded Chameleon Commandos, the pre-teen Dirty Jean Kung Fu Kangaroos. Oh, hang on. That, that sounds That right. sounds like the movie The Rock's got to do. <laughs> When he starts his, <laughs> his passion project, he's like, I've lost 200 kilograms to play in the preteen kangaroos. Preteen dirty gene, kung fu kangaroos. Oh, this one actually is probably more appropriate for the rock. The radioactive wrestling rodents. Yeah, I think that, that I mean, does he want to distance himself from wrestling though? Like, you know, if he comes back with like a vehicle like this, do you think – he, does he want, or is that the great thing? He's doing this like, like his rejection of wrestling is fully complete because he's playing like a wrestling rodent. Uh, I mean, it's a good way. It's a good slap in the face. Like if he really wants to be shocking. Um, it's the equivalent of Luke Skywalker throwing the lightsaber yes, over his shoulder exactly. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, reckon, I reckon that's the only way he could do it. Or there's a gross sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> That goes for 11 minutes, unbroken. The camera just pans to the rock. <laughs> um, this is uh, from Sarah. We had some speculation last week. You asked me if I'd heard about the Taylor in a box rumor. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, Sarah says, I think the reason you can't find much Taylor, uh, much info on Taylor being brought out in a box is because I don't think it's Taylor you're thinking of. Harry Styles uh, and Ed Sheeran is all, have been known to do it. I've seen heaps of TikToks of crazy Harry fans screaming his road cases uh, come out, assuming he's in there. Now, the reason they do this, because I was asking the question, why don't they just pop up, um, is because the stage is in the round, so there's no actual way to get there without climbing through the audience. Just fucking create, like, when you are designing the show, <laughs> just create a covered entrance and then you're fine. No one has to get into a fucking box. 
Well, I think that because the show is travelling from place to place, the idea of designing a covered entrance is harder than just wheeling out someone in a box. Right. Um, they obviously don't want to be waiting under the stage for the whole time it takes your car to shuffle in and the warm-up band no. to start, so they jump in a road case. They should do, create a distraction. <laughs> you know what I mean? An explosion. That was there. a bad idea. Sarah, I have some shocking news to you. Uh, we weren't thinking of those two gentlemen. It was, in fact, uh, Taylor Swift because I saw a video after we spoke about it. I actually went out and there is a – Someone has cut together all these different angles of a road crew and you can quite clearly see a box gets wheeled out. It looks like it's a road crew, like a, what do you call it? Like a, you know, instrument box gets wheeled right at the stage. It opens up and you see Taylor walk out with two, uh, two stagehands. So she's 100% in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Bloody Taylor Swift. That's what. Uh <laughs> <laughs> This is the last one from Aiden, who says, yeah. uh, I was listening to an episode from a few weeks back where you guys were discussing the affectionate way you use the word dickhead. Charlie mentioned having to catch himself, trying not to use it with his daughter. So I have a five-year-old niece, and as a family, we have always been comfortable swearing around her, and she has developed into a kid that understands what those words mean, and she's pretty good at using them in context. She doesn't swear at people, but when she's frustrated or joking, she knows how to use them in a nice way. When she's over and the dogs are barking at the windows or something, she'll look at us and say, they're being a bit of a dickhead, aren't they? And she's spot on. <laughs> My favourite use was one day when she was like three. We had her playing on a slippery dip with water running onto the slip and slide, and she loved it. She'd been playing for about 15 minutes and having the best time. And at one point, she came up next to my wife and said, Arnie Aaron, I know dickhead is a bad word, but I love being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, it's one of the funniest and most accurate things she's ever said. Uh, I love that. Thank you uh, for letting us know about that story, Aiden. I mean, we love the word dickhead so much. It's in the opening song yes. of, uh, of Two Guys, One Cup, where just two footy-loving dickheads. I I would often describe myself as a dickhead. Um, but that is going to be the show for this week. Uh, best way to support us is still Patreon, um, uh, patreon.com slash TOEFOP. Heaps of bonus material there uh, and also ad-free episodes. So if you want to skip the kind of uh, kerfuffle of the of the pre-programmed ads, you can just go to Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. If you're supporting the show, you're getting bonus content and ad-free, uh, ad-free episodes. Will, what have you got? to promote uh question everything uh season three on abc tv and iview you can catch all the episodes on iview and it's been a really funny series so um i would love if people check that out on abc iview please do that uh that's the show for this week i'm charlie clawson i'm will anderson Yeah.